Alleluia, He is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The ancient people believed in a certain bird that had, well, quite a long lifespan. This bird we know as the phoenix. This bird was prevalent in ancient mythology and even makes its way into the pantheon of church symbols. The Christian church has acquired many different symbols throughout her history to tell the story of her husband, the Savior, Jesus the Christ. Everything from a lamb to a rooster, from a cross to a seashell. The symbols were used to tell the gospel to a people who were used to hearing stories that did not, were not able to read them for themselves. But they could hear them and making connections, they were able to use those symbols to remember and retell the story to others. Saint Clement of Rome, who died in around 99 AD, is the first Christian to use the phoenix as a Christian symbol. He writes, Let us consider that wonderful sign of the resurrection which takes place in eastern lands, that is, in Arabia and the countries round about. There is a certain bird which is called a phoenix. This is the only one of its kind and lives 500 years. And when the time of its dissolution draws near that it must die, it builds itself a nest of frankincense and myrrh and other spices, into which, when the time is fulfilled, it enters and dies. Do we, then, deem it any great and wonderful thing for the Maker of all things to raise up again those that have piously served Him in the assurance of a good faith, when even a bird, or even by a bird, He shows us the mightiness of His power, to fulfill his promise. From then on, the phoenix has been a mainstay in representing the teachings of Christianity. Yes, a mythological creature. It especially teaches us about the resurrection. A bird, rare and extraordinary, who would die and rise again. But isn't the phoenix also a wonderful symbol for the Feast of Pentecost as well? The blessed Holy Spirit who descended like a dove on our Lord at His baptism now descends on the holy disciples in that upper room and all who are gathered with them with a rushing wind and tongues of fire. But a dove fire. I don't know, it sounds a lot like a phoenix to me. After all, it is this gentle dove, the Holy Spirit, that kills us, buries us, and brings us back to life through the waters of holy baptism. It is the, this bird of fire that strengthens us and encourages us through word and sacrament, emboldening us like the apostles, to proclaim God's salvation 
Jesus' death and resurrection for the payment of sin to a world that also is dead and needs resurrecting. Once the fire of the Holy Spirit lands on the apostles in the upper room, St. Peter leaves the safety of the locked doors, steps out into the street, and begins to proclaim the very thing that had caused them fear in the first place. The good news of the Messiah. The deliverance of mankind. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And he takes us, the hearers of his preaching, back to the prophet Joel in the Old Testament. Hear what Joel has to say once again. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Jews had come from all over to celebrate the feast of Pentecost. Yes, it was a Jewish holiday before they became Christian. It was a feast that celebrated the first wheat harvest of the year. But it also commemorated, in a very tangible and special way, the first harvest in the Promised Land after the Jews' ancestors' 40-year exile in the wilderness after leaving their lives as slaves in Egypt. Those first Jews to enter the Promised Land had They had been born in exile. Their parents who had been born in Egypt had all passed away. And these Jews had relied upon the graciousness of God to eat. Every day he would give them quail and manna. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, for the first time in their lives, these Jews were settled in one place, in in the Holy Land, the Promised Land, the land flowing with milk and honey, a land promised to them, given to them. And so they went and they planted their fields. And now they were gathering the produce that their work in God's grace had provided. Pentecost. Pentecost. Pentecost was a commemoration of God's bounteous love and precious care. So Jews would come back to Jerusalem 50 days. That's what Pentecost means. Pente in Greek is five. Pentecost, 50. So they come back 50 days after the Passover and celebrate another feast day in the holy city. And that's where they're at today. But now Peter tells them of another seed that was planted, Jesus. He, after his death, was planted into the ground, into the tomb, 
and sealed away. He then, three days later, emerged. And now the harvest was beginning. See how the phoenix fits so beautifully here. When its life comes to its conclusion, it prepares its nest with frankincense and myrrh and other spices used in ancient burials, even Jesus' burial. Remember, that's what Mary and Mary and Mary and Salome (laughs) were doing that first Easter morning. They were bringing frankincense and myrrh and spices for his burial. Phoenix does the same. It prepares itself for burial. Then it enters the nest and dies. And then in fire it is reborn. Very representative. Not just of Jesus' death and resurrection, but also of the hopes of the disciples. Gone and now resurrected. And the life of the church. Born. St. John the baptizer tells us, In Matthew, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Today, we hear the beginning of that baptism, the same baptism that you received, the Word, the Holy Spirit, the water, they all come together to kill you, bury you in the water, and then bring you back to life to be born again. You too are symbolized by the phoenix. And we every day, by that same Holy Spirit, by our repentance, die to sin. And we are resurrected to new life through Christ's death and resurrection. And this is exactly why we make the sign of the cross to remember our baptism. So each day, when we repent and return to God, we are going through the life cycle of the phoenix. Perhaps this is a strange way, using the phoenix to preach and to teach this text but I hope that it brings you much to contemplate. It is the reason the church has given to us such symbols, to help us to remember, to teach, and carry with us the word of God and the teachings of the apostles. The phoenix reminds us of the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord on our behalf. It reminds us of the work of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost with the apostles, but also through word and sacrament among us. As he continually comes to us, killing us with the law of God and raising us through the gospel and forgiveness. Die, people of God. Die. Die to sin. Die to self. Die to hate. Die to pride. Die to selfishness. Die to the works of the evil one. Die to petty revenge. Die to gossip. Die. 
then rise, people of God. Just like Jesus, the holy phoenix, O God. And live. Live in faith toward God and in love toward one another. Live a life of peace. Live a life of forgiveness. For our Lord has told us, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. So rise, people of God. Rise. Amen. And now may the peace that passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.